hello and welcome to Paperback Readers. I'm Joe, that's Julie, and uh, catching up with you. Uh, life's gotten in the way a lot for me. I haven't gotten to read a lot, but the good news is the, the few books I've read, I've read some really great stuff. I'm working on some really great stuff now. I know better than to say, did you read a lot of books? Because, you know, we're alive and we're here. So, yes, you read a lot of books. <laughs> but, you know, I think that for me, mine was quantity over quality. Because as the summer ended, I just tended to swallow books whole. I just wanted to read <laughs> as many things as I could, always be reading something. Whereas you were more selective in your reading. The ones I'm going to talk about today, I liked them. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to... It's been a long time. We had um, Chad Gibbs on last time. We did. And so we talked mostly about his books. So I'm not going to fill you in on a month of my reading. I'm going to hit the highlights <laughs> and just tell you a handful of things that I've been reading. So the want- good news is a month of my reading doesn't take all that long to talk about. So, <laughs> Do you want me to go first then? It's fine. Sure. Okay. Um, honestly, I couldn't remember where I stopped last time. So I'm just, <laughs> I'm just going to go here. Um, and I read You Are Only Just Beginning by Morgan Harper Nichols, which is a book of poetry. I first heard of Morgan Harper Nichols on Instagram because she posts pretty much daily, just little snippets, inspirational quotes, and then a lot of artwork, just bright colors and bold patterns that really go with her words. And then I was at a choice literacy writing retreat this summer, and her book, this book, um, was one of the things that was given to us, and I just thought it was absolutely gorgeous. So I read it in little bites all summer long. I'd read a few pages every morning with my pen and mark it up. And you know me, I don't usually write in my books. Yeah. But one of the things that we did at this retreat was everybody had a chapter that we were responsible for, and then we shared our favorite part of that chapter. So when they were doing that, I was already writing down who had shared what parts so that I could remember when I read that part in the book, the person. And so then I just marked things I thought were beautiful, marked things I thought were inspiring. I just really, really loved this book. Um, If you are interested, I would check her out on Instagram first. She also has an app where she does a lot of really cool things. But um, this is the only one of her books that I've read, but I just really thought it was beautiful. Yeah, okay. that's that's a different thing. Don't do yeah. so much poetry. So yeah, and I just it was really fun. I loved it. Um, I also read the last two in a series that I've started before and talked about on here. Um, the second one is called Luck of the Draw by Kate Claiborne, and the other one is her third book in that series, Best of Luck. It follows three best friends. I talked about the first one a while ago who uh, won the lottery, and then that's kind of the inciting incident. The fact of winning the lottery doesn't really come up as many times throughout the rest of the book. It's just what happens in their lives after. And um, Kate Claiborne is one of my favorite modern romance authors. She does definitely write steamy scenes in every book. So if that's not your thing, you might want to stay away. But the characters are just, um, the characters are always just really, really interesting, very unique and distinct from each other. I think when you write a lot of these books, it's really easy to let all the characters run into each other and and overlap on characteristics. But she does a good job creating characters. And I am a sucker for any book that has really good characters. So those were fun. And then I read one of my top books of the year, Tom Lake by Ann Patchett. Oh my gosh. I've kind of had a hit or miss sort of thing with Ann Patchett. There were a couple of her early books that I really loved. Um, Bel Canto, you loved that one too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I loved all of her nonfiction. Her books of essays, her memoir about her friend, 
Um, those were all fabulous. I really fell in love with those. I've read her nonfiction repeatedly. But her fiction, while it's always really good, it doesn't always hit my top list of the year. And this one absolutely does. I'm not sure you don't need to read it. Um, the spine of the book is Our Town, the play, mm-hmm. which you love yeah. and I love. I was telling my dad about this just based on what you told me. So. Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. And Our Town is sort of, if you never read it, Our Town is sort of an, an everyman experience. It's a small town life. Just a a normal girl, a normal guy, and then just the beauty and the wonder of everyday life wherever it is that you are. So this story is told in two parts. Um, The narrator is an adult during COVID, and her grown children, who um, are not married, have come back home because where else are they going to be? One of them, her university classes are now all online. The other one actually works on this uh, fruit farm with her and her husband. Um, and just they're all back home because everything is shut down. And mm. so as they harvest these cherries together, they ask her to tell them for real this time that all of the stories about when she was a young woman um, and a budding actress, uh, actually of some renown, and when she dated this actor who is still a huge name and one of her daughters is kind of obsessed with. So it's the dynamic between her and her daughters as she tells the story, and then it's the actual story in flashbacks. The main thing about this book, though, is that it is about the beauty of an everyday, ordinary life, of being exactly yourself, of the way that we can never remember our lives exactly the way they were, and about how the beauty of the moments that are now with us can sometimes erase the good and the bad that was in the past. I just, I cannot say enough good things about this book. Yeah. I mean, obviously since she's here with Mr. Cherry Farmer, she made a decision not to chase the the moon and the stars and to settle down and farm cherries and have kids. And, and yet it's more complicated than oh, that. Oh yeah, sure. They're, of course it is. Like Dan even Patrick's as you're not... saying that, I am smiling because of the layers you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Ann Patchett's great. She's brilliant. And I just think this is one of her best books. Okay, then I read Wine People by Michelle Wildgen. I'm not really even sure I'm saying that last name correctly. Um, This was a novel about two young women who work in the wine world. And that was mostly why I wanted to read it. They're friends. Their friendship's kind of snipey. Um, There are a lot of weird and interesting characters in this book. But I don't read a lot of books that are set in the restaurant world and especially in like the winemaking and producing and all that. I don't know. It's just a different kind of thing for me. And I really liked the setting. I liked the information in this book, the mm-hmm. glimpse into a different kind of life. Yeah, totally. I get that. Um, then I read two, these are the last two I'm talking about, two books by the same author, um, Meet Me at the Lake by Carly Fortune, which has um, gotten a lot of hype this summer. What? I have to tell you this, in looking at your notes, I'm looking over your shoulder, and I saw Meet Me at the Lake and Meet Me at Blurred Together. Oh, my gosh. So I was thinking of the Meet Cute, <laughs> which, of course, is a rom-com you know, yeah. kind of convention, and I'm like, what is this going to be? A rom-com about, like, <laughs> cattle butchers who fall in love with each other? <laughs> I thought it was I mean, a Meet Meet. So. Your imagination can go nuts in, like, two seconds. <laughs> this is my next book. I'm just going ahead and laying it out there. The, the, the Meet Meet. <laughs> All right. Well, Meet Me at the Lake and Every Summer After by Carly Fortune. 
neither of the, they're both romance books, but they're not rom-coms. They're really not comedies whatsoever. They're much more drama, and I'm not really big on drama, so there were, <laughs> there were moments in each of these where I was like, everyone just needs to take a step back and take a nap and calm down. For Have a steak. <laughs> yeah, just, just for a few minutes. That said, though, I really, obviously, Carly Fortune really loves that lake area. These are in Canada, mm -hmm. um, both of these. Um, and um, she really captures that setting gorgeously in both of those books. Is gorgeously a word? It is now. Um, it, she just makes it sound really, really beautiful to be young, to be on the water, to be in love. It's, it was a really, really interesting way to set both of these stories. The characters were really fun in each of the books. Um, if you're not much on the comedy part of your romance novels, these might be these might be some books for you. Right. Also, also steamy scenes. I didn't write it, so all right. <laughs> now it's to you. Well, I think my version might have been more interesting. It really, anyway. it, yeah, that could have been good. When you write it, we'll talk about it on here. There you go. Um, mine were not numerous, but they were wonderfully all over the place. Uh, Please Sorry Thanks by Mark Batterson, who is a pastor, and this was a very thin book that just happened to catch my attention. And I read it, and for me the issue with Batterson is the things he says are so incredibly common sense that they border on the like ridiculous i mean you read it and you're like well yeah of course people like nice people but his <laughs> book here is is really just about changing your viewpoint on the world with the ideas of please sorry thanks at the middle of it i did take a couple of really profound points there were some things in here he said that really stuck with me uh, I, I'm not going to say it's the, the greatest book I ever read, but it would be a great book to read on a plane because it's like 150 pages long. Oh. You literally could sit down and read this in a, in a setting if you wanted to. Um, and, you know, just because something seems obvious doesn't mean it always is. Sometimes you need to read something obvious. So a pleasant enough read. Um, I read something by him years ago, but I can't remember the title. I think it was something about a circle. Circle Makers. There you yeah, go. yeah. I, I I had the same experience. I went, what was this book? But that's it. He mentioned it at one point in there. Um, so I did that. I read The Grandest Stage, A History of the World Series by Tyler Kepner. Uh, Tyler Kepner is a great, I want to call him a young sports writer, but he's about my age. So maybe I'm, I'm being <laughs> a little too kind <laughs> in calling him young. He's not an old man. I'll put it that way. <laughs> Uh, but but Kepner, he wrote a book about pitching some years ago that was very widely acclaimed. Uh, and I didn't love it. I thought it was fine. But this one I really did like a lot better. It was an interesting look at the World Series just from different angles. The unlikely heroes, the managers who pushed the right buttons, the managers who pushed the wrong buttons, the, the goats. The, and by goats, I don't mean greatest of all time. I mean the people who failed and blew the World Series. He went through a lot of different things. And then I loved at the end, he had this just kind of like miscellaneous chapter where he ranked a bunch of things and he finished with the 10 greatest World Series. And I'm like, <laughs> you had me right there. Anytime you rank anything, uh, you've got me. And the 1991 World Series is the greatest one ever. Thank you, Tyler Kepner. I've said it for years. So really you like any kind of ranking, but mostly if you agree with the ranking. It, Extra it points. It wouldn't hurt. Uh, but no, I... He's a good writer, and, and it's a, just a, a very neat look 
at a topic that's been talked about a lot, but not really kind of the way he, he's looked at it. He kind of pulls it apart from a couple different sides and, uh, you know, good interviews, some good insights with uh, the people who were there. Awesome. Yeah. I read A Tree Goes, Grows in Brooklyn for about the 83rd time. I was about to say, like the 800th time. With our like. son. Uh, and I think he more or less liked it. I don't know. It, it is uh, an evergreen for me. It is a book my father read me, and I have read to my children. Um, you know, I think when we were dating, that may be the first book that you recommended to me. I think you're reading to him the book that I bought when we were dating because you loved this book so much, and I needed to read it. It was a part of my childhood, and uh, the the poignant melancholy that just absolutely suffuses the book uh, really always resonates with me. It's it's one that I've read enough times that... uh, I can recite passages from it at this point, <laughs> and uh, if you haven't, uh, you might check it out. I, I learned something. A few years back, we had a book uh, that Jennifer Jones had uh, given us, and, and Jennifer's book was about the books that were sent abroad in World War II uh, to keep the soldiers entertained, and apparently that was really how A Tree Grows in Brooklyn caught on. It had been written years before that, but you had all these soldiers abroad in World War II thinking nostalgically about home. Well, and they were republished in these tiny little versions yeah. that they could tuck in a pocket. Right. But apparently Trigros in Brooklyn was, was like the one they'd fight over. It's like, hey, when you get done with it, <laughs> i got to get that next, you know. So I didn't know that aspect of it. But anyway, a, a classic, and it, it ages as well as anything. <laughs> Just I, I always enjoy it. It's a beautiful book. I read a book which I was incredibly excited about. I didn't realize it was out. Biography of a Phantom by Robert Mac McCormick. And it is about Robert Johnson. Yes, I have a thing about books about Robert Johnson. Mostly because nobody <laughs> knows anything about Robert Johnson. It's hilarious that people write <laughs> books about him. And Robert Johnson is this great obscure blues man who there are now two or three photographs of. Let that sink in. At the time this book was researched, there were none. I mean, people hadn't even seen him. It really was a biography of a phantom. There are like 30 blues songs that were released in the 1930s before Johnson meets a premature death, and he's just fascinated everybody who really sits down and spends some time with those songs. I mean, they're so raw and so quintessentially blues that... uh, you can't get them out of your head. You can't figure out. There's kind of the Shakespeare dilemma with Johnson. People will listen to these songs and they go, how did one dude come up with this? Where did this come from? And with Johnson, because he dies unknown and young and he's a black man in a part of the country where people just don't keep up with documentary information at that time, yeah, there are the, all these great, weird, supernatural stories that he sold his soul to the devil to learn to play the guitar like this. And when he recorded these songs, he apparently like turned and played into the corner. And some people said, well, he was shy. And some people said he didn't want you to know what he was doing so you could steal it. And some people have said, it's supernatural trickery. That's why you couldn't see it. So, I don't know. Mac McCormick was this folklorist who got obsessed with Johnson and it kind of ate his life. This book never came out when he's alive. He's dead now. He died in the 2010s 
and his book, which I had heard about years ago, as would be this just magnificent magnum opus of Robert Johnson, if it ever came out, uh, because it drove McCormick crazy. Um, it's out. So here it is. Uh, the Smithsonian got the rights to it. There's a lengthy preface and a lengthy afterward talking about McCormick and the weird ways that he got at this story and whether or not it was ethical. Anyway, if any of this resonates with you, you'll love it. If not, you're thinking, why in the world did anybody go to this much trouble over a book about a guy who cut a couple dozen blues songs almost 100 years ago? And you, you get it or you don't. If you know, you know. Um, I just know you've been excited about that book for so long. I so. didn't even think it was a thing. I was looking for another book, and it was there it was. And it was like, oh, my gosh, this is out. This <laughs> is a thing. That is just the thing about books, that... That delight, the joy of discovery. Yeah, yeah. I, again, for decades I had heard of this, but with like the broad possibility that maybe someday some of it would see its way into the light of day. Well, it did. Um, on the other hand, I also read the book we're going to talk about next time, but I will leave that aside. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to get into it except to say no. that it was really fun. Yeah, uh, we can't. And we'll talk yeah. about it. And then there's the book that we're talking about this time. Oh, you all. Okay, so the book that we're talking about today is called Somebody's Fool by Richard Russo, who is one of our all-time favorite authors. Yes. And this is the third book in the Fool Trilogy. <laughs> I don't know what else to call it. The first no, book good. was um, Nobody's Fool. The second one was Everybody's Fool. And this one is Somebody's Fool. Um, and it's the best one in the trilogy. If you have read any of them, you know they're all amazing. Um they all follow the same little town of Bath in upstate New York. Is New York, yeah? I think, yeah. Um, in upstate New York. And they follow the same little cast of characters in this town over the decades. So when we started with Nobody's Fool, I mean, you can tell even from the title. It's this, this sassy kind of, here's this man, Sully, was who Donald Sullivan, the book centered on in that first uh, in the first one, um, this idea that no matter what bad things happen to him, he is the master of his own life. He's full of trickery. He's full of himself. He can handle anything that life throws at him. And then life throws his son, whom he abandoned years ago, back into his life. And you look at Sully as this um, solidly middle-aged man who's still doing manual labor, trying to grapple with the mistakes that he's made in his, in his life, while still um, making the most of whatever it is he's got left to him. Yeah, he's outdated in many ways. He's an anachronism, but mm -hmm. nobody's going to tell him that. Or if they do, he's not going to listen. Then in the second book, which I talked about, we talked about a couple weeks ago because I was mm -hmm. on here. That was yeah. um, Everybody's Fool. Sully's an old man. Yeah. And he's looking at the choices that he's made, again, good and bad, but also learning to lean into who he is. And the fact that he can accept who he is allows him to accept some of the people in this town as friends whom he did not embrace so thoroughly in the first book. He, he probably wouldn't have phrased it that way himself, but it's the way that he lives. And then in this third and final book, Sully's gone. Um, he has passed away, but we still have these people who are left in this town. We have um, the mayor. We have his son, Peter. We have his ex-lover, Ruth, and her daughter, Janie. We have his best friend, Rub. 
I can't start crying. You have to talk for a minute. Gosh, yeah. I, I, it is a, a world complete unto itself. And the transcendence that comes in the payoff in this final book is pretty profound throughout Rousseau's writing, whichever of his books you pick up, you're going to get some fairly screwed up characters <laughs> ranging from eccentric to, to basically criminal. Um, but hilarious in all of it. But they do come to some better understanding. They come to some truer version of themselves. Um, and the catharsis that comes with it is sometimes hilarious, is sometimes poignant, uh, is sometimes ironic. This this third book, in many ways, circles back on the first two exactly the way that that life actually does. Well, this third book is, in many ways, a spiritual reckoning for all of these characters who are left after Sully is gone, and that's, that's giving nothing away. He's gone from the beginning of the book. Um, who have to grapple with what they have been and done. Over all yeah. of the years. And yet, really, is Sully gone? I mean... Are any of us ever really Right. Gone? He's not there, but his spirit, in many his ways... influence. ...motivates so much of this book. <laughs> and you think about somebody who is such a rascal, like Sully was... Yeah. ...all the way through, who still managed to love his friends and his family so well, and to set them up so that even after he's gone... They are feeling his love. They are feeling his influence. They are asking themselves, what would he do? Yeah, yeah, very much. That's and the... just the idea of what each of us is to wherever we are. Big town, small town, where city, country. We're in community with each other. And we may not like the people we are in community with. Sully didn't have the time and most of them hated him. <laughs> and yet... Even in that, we're rubbing up against each other. We're doing things for and to each other. And we get to decide not only how we're going to take and use the things that other people are giving us, but ultimately we have the role to look around and, and to decide what we can do for them, whether they want it or not. Yeah, yeah very much. It, it's an unlikely feel-good story at the end of the day. It's and the least funny yeah, yeah, it's it's a pretty straight narrative. That's true, but it's also the most important one. Like you needed this one. Yeah, and I hate to even voice this thought for a writer who is as beloved and whose stuff I enjoy this much. But if this is where Rousseau leaves it, I think it's a capstone. I think it completes a lot of things mm, from his writing. It really does. And we've said before that one of the things we love about his writing is the fact that his writing has grown and matured with him. He really seems to be a writer who writes to discover himself on the page, to help him make sense of his life. He's an old man now. Yeah. And he's writing an old man's story. Yeah, he is. Exactly. And and, and in this one, he's he's writing an old man's story, but he is very, it feels to me anyway... That he's writing an old man's story in order to show younger generations where to go, how to go, shining a light to other people. Yeah, I feel so like that. in the second book he was writing, okay, this is this is what I'm learning now, and this one is here's what I have learned. Take it, do something with it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And again, 
even as I say it, I hope there's 10 more. I hope there's 20 more. I hope there's so many more. Uh, but, but if there's not, uh, you know, uh, he leaves uh, a, a massive cannon of awesome stuff. Empire Falls might be my favorite Straight one. Straight Man. Straight Man was the first one for me. It was hilarious. But these, these this trilogy, wow, you know, yeah. what, what, a, what a cool thing he's done. Mm-hmm. Um, glad to have, have come along for the ride. Speaking of along for the ride, we've got a really cool book to talk about next time. Oh, yes. And we're taking a, a whole different um, turn yeah. on this one. So we've been talking to you about very literary, very gorgeous, wonderful, <laughs> inspiring fiction. And now we're going to inspire you through some nonfiction and maybe a, a, a hint of nostalgia for you as you look back on your own misspent past. Yeah, That's absolutely. the way it was for us. <laughs> yeah. And, and this one, our daughter brought it to us. Uh, and she'll probably show up next time to talk about this with us. Yep. And it is called Game On by Dustin Hansen. The... Uh, Subtitle really tells it all. Video game history from Pong and Pac-Man to Mario, Minecraft, and more. And lest you think that sounds really, really dry, I just need to say, if you have ever played any of these games, even once, you'd be thoroughly entertained by this book. Yeah, that's it. I mean, you. this book spoke to us with memories. It spoke to her uh, with you know things that she can even remember a- as a kid. Uh, so th- there are, are levels here and there's something, unless you're just one of those people, I think about like my parents, the video games are just folly and, and it's kid stuff. And, but you know, my generation, there's something for you. You played Mario or you played the legend of Zelda or you played NBA jam or, you know, you, you play Tetris. Or... And, and this book does a really good job and we're going to talk about it more next week. Digging into the why each of these games are successful. So you were reading about a game that you just played for fun with your friends, and now you're going, "Oh wow, I never noticed that they used that music here or whatever like that." Yeah, yeah. we can't get, we can't discuss it all today. Yeah, too, tempting. I, I could go right now, but <laughs> but uh, give you a chance to read it first because uh, it's just really a, a fun book. I will say I, I reached out to Dustin Hansen on Twitter uh, because this was a 2016 book and said. If you wrote it now, what else would you add in? He had a couple ideas, but we'll save but those for next time. Typical for an author, he said, "Well, what would you add in?" You know, <laughs> so so we were talking about that. So yeah, we'll uh, all this and more. All right. So if you have managed to catch up with us and read Russo's books, we would so love to hear what you thought about that. Um, or if you have read Dustin Hansen's book, or you just have some video game memories that you would like to share with us, we would love to hear them. You can get in touch with us by email at paperbackreaderspod at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram at paperbackreaderspod or on Twitter at pbackreaderspod. Or just plug in your console and push up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B-A, B-A, select, start. Now, that is a joke. (laughs) But whether you're gaming, whether you're... uh, trying to recover from the heat wave or back to school, whatever you're doing, hope you're doing it with a book. Take care and keep reading.